Have you ever wanted to be more superhuman? Are you ready to contribute to the future of humanity while well, you're in the right place? Join Michelle and AJ now for the Becoming Superhuman podcast. You'll be glad that you did. Okay, we are live. Hello, everyone in Facebook land and Zoom land and any other lands that might be joining us today. And we would like to have a massive welcome for Anaraj Gambier. And he is going to be sharing with us today on exponential consciousness. So if your brain is not already sore, we promise that we will be by the end of this session in the best possible way. And he has been watching a couple of other presenters, so he has a bit of an idea of what people have been talking about across the summit. He's coming to us from Sydney, and he will share much more about himself as we go along. But if it's your first time and you haven't been on one of our sessions yet during the Superhuman Summit, please feel free to make this as interactive as you possibly would like to. Anyone who's jumping on, we've got Ivan, Faith, Julianne, Mahoub, Nicole, Susan and Wayne so far and growing by the second. So feel free to drop into the chat box, tell us where you're coming in from, what country, what location, etc. And also tell us what you're looking forward to about this talk because I'm really interested in why other people are interested in consciousness as a topic. So go ahead and drop those things down into the chat box. And for those of you who are in the Facebook live stream, a big hello to you. Same thing. Please feel free to comment, agree, disagree, ask questions, whatever you need to do as we're going through the process. And without further ado, I'm going to hand you over to Anuraj and I think he's going to share his screen first up. So welcome and enjoy. Thank you so much, Michelle. Um, I hope you can see my screen there. Yes, we can. It's perfect. Uh, yes. Okay. So um, I think firstly, uh, what a phenomenal event you've put together. It is such a pleasure to be part of it. So I'll be covering quite a few broad topics in this space of exponential consciousness, going into exponential technologies and exponential mindsets and so forth. So I'll get started. I do have quite a few slides. So I just wanted to mention that uh, uh, beforehand. So we'll start with, obviously, we live, we've been living in this VUCA world. I'm sure many of you are familiar with the term uh, VUCA, which is volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. But the pace of VUCA has just phenomenally accelerated, as we all know. Uh, I wanted to actually just briefly mention three terms I'd coined over three decades of my career. And uh, they're kind of, I call them exponential terms or buzzwords. And the first one is simplexity, which is complex made simple. And the second one is collaboration, which is open collaborative innovation. And the third one is experiation. Over the last five, six years ago, I came up with that, which is immersive experiential, experiential story showing, moving from passive storytelling to immersive story showing. But I'll be referring to them, and I can go deeper into those later. Um, some of the other key trends we've obviously been observing is the hyper-connected world of empowered customers. Even Time magazine awarded us, uh, you, we, the person of the year back in 2007. So we've seen the industrial revolutions obviously make quite a mark on the planet, from mechanization to electrification to and mass production to automation and uh, computer revolution. We're going much deeper into the fourth industrial revolution, which is really the convergence and fusion of exponential technologies such as IoT, artificial intelligence, big data, analytics, cloud, blockchain, robotics. Uh, basically, we're augmenting intelligence across the board. So this is Gartner's emerging technology hype cycle. And I just wanted to kind of point out that many technologies have been crossing the chasm much more rapidly than we expected. And we've seen that mass acceptance and democratization of that happen with um, examples like in AR and VR and uh, looking at sort of AI, you know, which artificial intelligence, whilst we talk about AGI, which is, uh, you know, shown here. And AGI is artificial general intelligence, um, you know, is still work in progress, obviously heading towards what we call technological singularity, as my fellow colleague at Singularity U and, and founder, Ray Kurzweil, talks about and predicts by 2045 for that to happen, whilst by 2029, he talks about computers will have high-level intelligence. So just to give a bit of uh, a slice of pace of change here, you know, we can see in 1900 in Fifth Avenue, New York, the horse and cart uh, was replaced by the motor car in just 13 years. 
and to uh, just some foundation and basic elements about exponentials, I think it's even the layman today understands the law of exponentials. But uh, we talk about moving from a deception phase to a disruptive phase. And we're essentially talking about the doubling on a logarithmic scale here. So just as a quick example, if we take 30 one-meter steps, uh, we've taken, uh, we've traveled 30 meters. But if I ask you to travel 30 exponential steps in doubling, uh, how much would you have traveled? Any guesses there? <laughs> no one's guessing so far. Yeah. Why don't you give a guess, Michelle? <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't. I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll tell you. It's actually you would have traveled twenty six times around the world. So it's a billion meters or a million kilometers, over a billion kilometers. Wow. wow. It's phenomenal. So that's what we're really seeing. That human development has been exponential and global over the time. Um, it's no longer about creating ecosystems. It's about curating them. And these are just examples of industries I've worked very much in my career, in the telecom, media, internet, and IT and sort of space. We're seeing a transformation happen. So I do a lot of work in education, ed tech, and health tech. So I'm giving a couple of examples of that. And we're seeing that transformation happening in education and learning, which is massive shifts from the flipped classroom from the number of books, which are massively online open courses, you know, the online education, which is obviously transforming so rapidly right now. With yeah, I think it's been really interesting to watch the whole schooling system. And I really do have a lot of empathy for teachers who have been dragged through a five or a 10 year change process in a yeah. matter of weeks to make everything online. But I actually think it's a re a really going to be a really good outcome of yeah. the experience that we're having. Totally, totally. I think there's, we're, it's no longer about a sage on the stage anymore. It's about being a guide on the side. And that's what I think this whole uh, phenomenon is happening. And I've been actually uh, as faculty at, over the last decade with many different business schools and institutes, been sort of practicing that as, as really, you know, students are start learning everything outside or in, at home and, and outside the classroom and coming in and really to discuss and collaborate on solving key problems and doing real-world case studies and so forth. And uh, so this is actually also an example of one of the business schools I was teaching at, which is the SP Jain Business School. And we have a campus, we have a global EMBA program there. And uh, we have a campus in Mumbai, in Singapore, Dubai, and Sydney. And here's actually an example of what we had as a full dashboard. And a teacher or a, the faculty could have a dashboard of vitals of each student. We use video analytics there and artificial intelligence for classroom automation. So uh, there's a lot happening in this space with engaged learning. And even with, with children, we're really seeing that transformation happening from STEM, as we know, to something what I call esteem further, which is entrepreneurship, science, technology, engineering, arts, and mathematics. Mm, and I think the addition of entrepreneurship is very strategic and very important moving forward. There's people in the chat box just saying that they can totally relate to the fourth revolution and... Right the idea of um, the guide on the side versus a teacher. Yeah, oh, wonderful. That's great. So, um, sorry. So, and the other one, which is in healthcare, we talk about health is the true wealth and health in your hands or at your fingertips. Really, it's the democratization of that, which has happened so immensely. And I'll be giving through many examples of that. So uh, we've seen that shift happen in healthcare from diagnostic to preventative and it's uh, really from sick care to true health care and something which I really like somebody else talking about self-care, which is uh, really mm. quite uh, interesting. <laughs> so um, I've been doing a lot of work in smart cities and various projects I've been doing over the last few years, including uh, setting up uh, or establishing of an innovation precinct in Hong Kong, China called the Greater Bay Area. In fact, it's one of the largest in the world. And uh, we'd really looked at smart cities from a very human-centric perspective. The other big project I'd been involved with as a conceptualization at a very early phase that we're uh, you know, still ideating on is a smart futures one, a micro smart city, a floating smart city in Tasmania on the Derwent River in the catchment of Hobart. Oh. And uh, yeah. That's so city in the Derwent River. Well, <laughs> I think it's a great test example because what we're really merging is nature with uh, humanity. And, uh, and smart city thinking where we really bring together this whole aspect of uh, domains which are powering a, a city, you know. So really about stitching through much more empathetic ends of communities because it's, I think it's a very 
interesting aspect of community that we talk about in in um, bringing together the transportation sector and the healthcare and education and so forth. So um, we're really actually we're seeing so much data being generated that you know a clutter of information out there. It's about we're drowning in information but start for knowledge, and we're seeing that clutter. Uh, that transformation to, of valuable knowledge that needs to occur from big data to big insights to, and you really need to take big actions. Otherwise, it means nothing. Only then you really get the true wisdom out of it. And we were only just talking about that in the last present or an earlier presentation today, where um, someone was presenting on health and all all different approaches to health, and we were talking about how, as a consumer, as a customer, or as someone who is expected to get on board with those changes, yep. it's really difficult to discern That's what, right. what's quality information, what's not quality information, who do you trust, who do you not trust, where does that source come from, you know? Very true, very true. So, in fact, yeah, it's uh, that space where we're moving from, uh, we're actually generating over 2.5 exabytes of data every single day. And uh, it's because of the fusion of technologies and the and there's an interesting saying that data is the new oil, uh, AI is the new electricity, and IoT is the new nervous system. And we really need to evolve from descriptive to diagnostic to predictive to prescriptive analytics. And there's some really interesting examples of that. But um, interest of time, I won't go into that at the moment. Um, so the space I do a lot of work in is wearables, actually, wearable technologies. And they've really evolved much beyond fitness trackers. I'm sure many of many people have got different types of wearables they've been experiencing or experimenting with. And there, there are so many uh, more beyond the simple wrist-worn devices. There's a whole range which have added, been adding a lot of value from head to toe. It's a very wide landscape from medical, wellness, fashion, sports. Uh, we look at uh, security, for example. And uh, I'm just going to pick a little bit selective ones on the healthcare sort of space there. And in fact, I've been involved with a, a new movement that we've created or curated. Um, it's a manifestation of new age smart devices where we talk about an exponential reinvention uh, and we call it where to able which sits at the intersection of technology and humanity. And at Singularity U Australia, we've really been promoting this as a key um, session. And I was very fortunate to deliver that as actually as a wearable tech uh, parade and fashion show at our SU Summit here in Australia. And just a couple of months ago in Costa Rica, um, which was also quite interesting as a, as a full fashion parade there. And out of interest, how is that being received by people? The you know the increasing variety of wearables and through all the markets that you're talking about. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's it's changing because there are a lot more meaningful wearables, and that's what I'm going to dwell actually next into. Because at the moment there has obviously Fitbit and so forth, and I think the first phase we've seen there has been a, a kind of a clutter, and um, you know wearables haven't really evolved to that level uh, until more recently where we're getting a lot more meaningful data out of them and, uh, you know, for them to really help us with our, uh, you know, so many aspects of our lives, actually. And that's what I'll be talking very much about next. <laughs> so here's an example of uh, a, a company called Goki, which has a very low-cost wristband uh, variable. But what they've actually created as their key differentiator is a, a curated ecosystem, uh, one which is really hyper-personalized around well-being, and it, it actually involves real doctors, nutritionists, fitness coaches, and uh, all of that accessible from your app or your finger, really at your fingertips or at your on the wrist. So it's a very interesting sort of space there. We see new platforms like this emerge, which are more meaningful to give a total uh, you know, solution there. So here's that, a Sorry, I've got a question on the previous slide. Sure, please. I just saw the word karma. What does it mean in that context? Well, karma is actually, obviously, it's karma points that Goki gives, and they're talking about, uh, you know, giving it back to society. So uh, kind of even paid forward. So every time you're doing an exercise, uh, okay. and yeah. I think we've seen some phenomenal things. In fact, the colonel from London, I'm sure you've seen in the news recently, who, who raised 50, uh, 54 million Aussie dollars or so. Uh, just by walking up and down. And I mean, that's what, if he uh, was very variable like that, he would have gained so many karma points, I think, which he did anyway. So um, it's mm. really about, uh, you know, connecting it with, with society in a lot more meaningful way. Yeah. Um, this one is actually uh, called Natty X, and it's smart yoga tights. It monitors your movements to help you correct your yoga posture and trains you to new poses. 
So uh, it's a, another very interesting sort of variable by, uh, you know, Aussie co-founder uh, of the company Variable X and uh, Nadi Tights. Um, recommend people to have a look at that. And now uh, this one actually is called the Tesla suit. And it's really a very, very powerful uh, solution because it's a fusion of exponential technologies. It's contextual full body haptics with virtual reality as a variable. It has sensors all over like an exoskeleton. Um, it does motion capture, biometrics, haptics, all integrated to create a new experiences. And you can even sort of recreate muscle memory. Um, so we had the, we were very fortunate to have these folks in Australia actually at our Singularity U Summit, and it was a very big hit as a as a very very, very unique solution. Um, I've got a, a quick sort of a video of their uh, solution there. I don't know if it's really playing properly, but I'll just play it for a few seconds. So yeah, you can even actually simulate different environments, heat and cold, for example, in there. You could it's being used for fighter firefighter training or in so many enterprise applications which are out there. Um, and of course, in gaming and virtual with virtual reality, you can uh, immerse into a whole new reality. Um, so in fact, at CES this year, they showcased a haptic glove, which is, um, uh, you know, very interesting. It actually is creating um, with air pouches at your fingertips, a very immersive, uh, you know, feeling. So, you know, we've got pretty much the whole body covered there with this uh, solution. Next, I just wanted to mention, I was very honored to be at the launch of this, um, uh, you know, really interesting concept car called AVTR or Avatar at uh, by Mercedes-Benz in collaboration with James Cameron, who's, of course, produced Avatar, as you know. And uh, this was at CES 2020 in Vegas this year, on in fact, the 9th of January uh, that they had this uh, mega launch. And it's a realization of, of what holistic well-being can look like in a full autonomous future with mood stress analytics, adaptive UI, I mean, integrating spirituality and the natural environment, vegan materials, uh, full health vitals, uh, virtual personalized landscapes seamlessly projected in, in the interior of the vehicle. And so you, I, I tell you that you can really imagine a personal spa oasis in an <laughs> autonomous vehicle. And is, will, that a, is that a flying or a driving? Well, it's a, it's a driving. It's an it's a autonomous car. So um, you can see me sitting in that at the bottom right uh, in the vehicle. I was uh, very fortunate to have a personal uh, preview of that. And uh, I think the journey really becomes a retreat. It's a concept which I'd been working on uh, uh, quite a long back. We came up with that a BP Castrol session. And uh, I, was, I was just amazed to see part of it realized in this, in this form. So mm. I see that, you know, how kind of consciousness has been adapted in the automobility space. It's uh, really interesting. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? And I mean, you could adapt this for a flying car also. And that's obviously a very big trend that's happening in the uh, in future of uh, transportation. So, in fact, I had a, a quick video of it, of the launch. I, as an amateur video <laughs> that I took from my cell phone. You can see it there. Uh, it was just phenomenal when it came out and launched by James Cameron and the chairman of Mercedes-Benz. Um, Fortunate to be sitting close to um, uh, Wozniak, Steve Wozniak. When you say it's is, when you say it's a release, does that mean that that's now on the market? You can no, no, it's it. not on the market. It's a concept car. It's really it's a, a showcase car. for the future. So I think it the concept cars are really used as a glimpse of what the future could come about, and I think to showcase key technologies in there, which is what they've done in there. In fact, it's a it's a concept that I adapted in the mobile phone industry, which is my background. And we worked closely when I was heading innovation for Siemens. We brought in the concept, of, you know, terminology to look at how do you showcase technology as a foresight and something which is way ahead of its time mm. now so that you can actually work out and map out the future much faster. Mm. Mm. Um, so future is really there. I think it's just not evenly distributed as a beautiful saying that William talks about. Um, so I wanted to come back to some more devices and technologies, which are actually, these ones are very much available in the market. And this one is called Skio by Consumer Physics. So it's, I can ask you to imagine an electron microscope, which costs tens of thousands of dollars, is democratized at your palm for $1,200. I've actually got that device right here. And if I point that to an apple or a fruit, it actually gives me detailed nutrition information. So it can actually tell me, it can scan the food, the fruit, dairy, meat even, 
or vegetables and tell me the freshness of it in a way, the fat carbohydrate content, and you can track your body fat percentage even, uh, and even recognize uh, painkillers or paracetamols with that. So do you use that when you go shopping? Uh, well, a little bit, actually. I use it more for my demos and my showcases and all. But yeah, I mean, I have used it in real life. In fact, I would have been happy to do a demo, if, but in the interest of time, I've normally done that online, actually, <laughs> with an apple and uh, and shown the level. If there's time at the end, I might even quickly do that. <laughs> we'll see how I'm we go. I'm saying, wow, love it. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, uh, the other one, the next one I wanted to talk about was uh, clinical grade variables and devices. And this is where I was saying that variables have really evolved, you know, from the, the current or the what people are used to in, in the previous sense. And imagine a tricorder from Star Trek at your fingertips. And that's what this device in the center, which is actually called Medical Center. It's a concept device. And uh, in fact, I have that device right here in front of me. It does blood pressure, blood glucose, body fat, body temperature, oxygen saturation, heart rate variability, which is, um, you know, a good indication of physiological stress, all measurable in one device. So is, is this how um, they're talking about healthcare of the future? Basically, if we imagine that every individual would have something like this yep. and they would be able to upload their data and the information straight into the internet, mm-hmm. which would allow them to have go through a diagnostic process. Exactly, exactly. So they could do self-analysis, obviously. So there's a lot of there's a thing called fog or edge analytics, which will enable you to do it on the device, but you can actually upload it to the cloud, share it with your doctor. And there's so much data there that is meaningful now between doctor's visits, for example, that you can um, you know, look at and uh, and derive a very interesting prescriptive approach to your overall holistic health in there. Absolutely, and it will totally um, change the nature of the doctor's contribution to helping support the patient get well as well. Exactly. Now, the next device after that was actually the smartwatch. So this, for example, right now, it's got my blood pressure. It does blood pressure on the wrist and using PPG, using a a light, and uh, that's the one I'm showing there in the the screen, Uh, is it's called Life, uh, Life Band, and it's a smartwatch which does... Uh, your heart health uh, quantification. So it measures stress, mood, heart age even. So I can um, scroll through. In fact, happy to kind of show a, a quick Just look at something. If you don't mind while you're looking at that, there's a couple of questions. Are you happy to take yes. a couple of questions? So someone's saying, where can we learn more re-medical centre? Okay, so I've actually just published an article on this late last night, which was my kind of gift for the Superhuman Summit also. And I wanted to get it out. So it was very late last night. I put it on my LinkedIn and I will I will talk about that in a few minutes so you can read a bit more. Yeah, about would you mind dropping it into the Superhuman Superhuman group for us as well? Yeah, sure, I will. I'll, I'll do Perfect. that. Yeah. yeah. And sure. then someone else just saying, this guy's amazing. So I thought you might want to know that you're amazing. Oh, God, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I've been covering a lot of information. As I said, I've got a lot of slides here. So let me face ahead because, you know, I'm kind of competing with a fellow colleague of mine. His name is Dr. Daniel Kraft, and he's got the highest density of information he shares, which um, <laughs> Peter Diamond just says. Highest density of information competition. I like that. <laughs> exactly. <That's laughs> number of slides, yeah. <laughs> so the next, uh, uh, you know, variable that I'm talking about here is BioConnected. It's actually an Aussie startup, which I've been mentoring. And Dr. Sven Rees, who's the founder of that. He's a sports scientist and it's a smart hearable. I've got it right here actually. And this device is a Bluetooth stereo buds which provides in-ear coaching with heart rate variability. So it measures your stress levels. It helps you improve sports performance, uh, giving you feedback on your fitness and even customizes routines for you using AI and actually has an AI guiding you to motivate you while you're, say, cycling. So I've used it while I've cycled 51 kilometers over the M7, um, you know, route uh, several months ago, and I found it really phenomenal. So uh, one I could recommend there. Uh, another device is actually an Irish company called PIP, and I've got this device here, which is actually measuring stress using your perspiration, something called electrodermal activity or galvanic skin response. So it gives you biofeedback based on that. And uh, it actually has a very nice visual game to reduce your stress levels. Um, the next one is actually called iTens, which is a FDA-approved wearable pain relief solution. And uh, it's a modern-day electrotherapy sort of a device with TENS therapy, 
Um, so I'm sure people might be familiar with tens uh, to a level. So it's something which makes it very easy to wear and, and, and you know, put on various parts of your body. Now, here is actually another startup I've been mentoring uh, called Blissport, which is really doing some amazing work in collating a very strong ecosystem as a double-sided marketplace. It's a holistic wellness platform combining education, technology, um, community to support individuals with optimum well-being. So, and it really, it's all very much about mindfulness as we talk about, you know, because yesterday is a history, tomorrow is mystery, and today is a gift. That's why we call it the present. (laughs) I think it's about living in the moment, isn't it? (laughs) Absolutely. And uh, so one of the startups I was mentoring at our global startup program at Singularity U in uh, Silicon Valley was called uh, Wellify, and they had something called the health map, which we came up with. And in this case, what we would do is we actually would help you visualize what you could look like if you did not take the right actions. And we had a very holistic view of your fitness, sleep, nutrition, uh, genomic data even in there, and uh, giving you nudges using your wearables so it's um, something which has been very, very interesting to actually tinker with and experiment and build a prototype of. But a company which has realized some of this in the mainstream is called Shea, and they have a virtual health assistant with the Precision Health AI, and uh, it's really helping you with personalized, um, preventative, intuitive, interactive uh, solutions to deploy some of these things. With, we've, got, uh, we've got, sorry, are you finished? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. We've just got another question that someone's asking. Oh. So the question is: Is there a readily a, a re, I can't even read anymore. <laughs> is there a readily available device that accurately takes breathing rate or quality? Looking mm-hmm. for something like this for breathing training. For breathing training, okay, that's a good question. Um, I've heard of a couple of devices which are doing breath analysis, and I mean you could do that with more simulated parameters that I've seen with the with the Aura Ring, for example, with um, um, even um, something which you can which helps you with controlling and improving your breathing practice is which I'll be talking shortly about is HeartMath, which is this device, mm-hmm. uh, the Inner Balance. But to measure breathing, it's um, I'm, I'm still I haven't really come across something to be frank um, as a standalone device in that space. Uh, there you go. Maybe there's a startup there for that person who well, asked that question. <laughs> for sure, for sure, yeah, because it's a very important area. And, uh, I mean, we can look at oxygen saturation. So it gives you sort of breathing parameters, and that I can actually even measure here with the variable on my wrist. So there are elements there, but I think to go deeper into it. All being brought together. Yeah, be, yeah, totally agree, yeah. So as I said, late last night, I actually posted tech, a tech tool guide on LinkedIn, uh, which I will certainly share with you on the superhuman, um, you know, uh, area there so that everybody can access that. So I wanted to next talk about quickly the media evolution. You know, we've we've evolved from the lean back couch potato mode of watching television into a more immersive computer interactive mode into something a lot more immersive now. And that's Media 3.0, which is moved into move from the Nintendo Wii into uh, things like, you know, augmented and virtual reality that we very much, uh, you know, dwelling very deep into and in, in, with so many examples and something what I call moving from the GUI to the NUI, from the graphical to the natural user interface. So uh, we've really seen this interesting aspects of uh, augmented reality and on the other end, virtual reality, and both kind of coming together to provide a mixed or extended reality uh, approach, which is very powerful. And I think that's what this uh, we talk about in the virtuality continuum by Milgram, which is nicely depicted here in these uh, in these images. Now, it was just interesting. The um, just yesterday, early morning, one of our key distinguished faculty members, uh, David Roberts, was speaking at a at a VR summit, which my fellow colleagues from Singularity U South Africa had put together, and he remarked very strongly about VR will disrupt reality because there are so many things we'll be able to do in the virtual world we cannot do in the real world. And uh, it is very profound there that sort of, uh, you know, because what he experienced 30 years ago with the formation of the World Wide Web, where he was actually with the founder. But you might get the phenomena that if people can do things in virtual reality, they start to believe they can do it in normal reality and then maybe they'll be able to do more. I know, I know. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, exactly. 
But I think what uh, AR and VR is really helping us is with learning with so many elements that involve me and I will learn. You know, it's really about that interactive, immersive media. And uh, for example, I've got this uh, device, the Oculus Quest here, which is one of the latest devices we've been playing with as SU faculty in Australia. And we're trying out new experiences with VR. And uh, I think it's come a long way with what it was just a few years ago in terms of uh, VR solutions. In fact, a few years ago, when I was um, speaking at an event at Vivid in Australia in 2012, at Cross Media Lab, there was a startup which I ended up mentoring, and I really worked very closely with them. They were, plan they were We were making a film called Stand in My Shoes on the Global Empathy Deficit. And uh, the founder of that, Anna Rees, she actually pivoted that whole thing. We couldn't raise enough capital for the film because we had some, all the, some amazing ideas there, but it actually pivoted to a VR project. And uh, really interesting because VR is really such a deep empathy tool. So another startup in VR I just wanted to mention in this space of holistic well-being, which I've been very closely involved with the founding and the mentoring of, and we moved them now from Sydney to Silicon Valley, called Relax VR, which is a deeply immersive relaxation experience using virtual reality and meditation. So it combines global landscapes and high-resolution multimedia and guided meditations with soothing uh, music on there so you could sort of toggle between different modes and uh, it's it's really and there are many other sort of examples of vr which are calm and, and headspace and so forth also looking at these immersive media areas and one called trip which i've been recently playing with on in the, the oculus quest here Perhaps so some, um, i don't know where i heard this whether it was in peter singh's presentation or or at a different um from a different yeah. <laughs> source, I can't remember, but someone was talking about VR in relation to um, the elderly and people stuck in old people's homes and helping them to feel like they're travelling and having all these adventures. And do That's you know a about that? Nomad VR. In fact, I, I talk about them in my uh, toolkit also. So Nomad VR is actually one I was mentoring last year at Remarkable Accelerator here. That's and them, yeah, uh, elderly people, even people could be suffering from dementia or Alzheimer's to experience and to really uh, have their bucket list ticked off potentially. So to travel to places or do things which because of their lack of ability potentially or, you know, people with disabled disability, for example, can do yeah. some things in this yeah. space. So, yeah. um, quick question before you keep continuing. Yep. Um, what are some of the dangers that you see in the AR, VR world and how can we be careful? The dangers, okay. I think um, obviously you know, every technology has its dangers and, and you know disadvantages and advantages. But I think it's like anything; you don't want to get too carried away. And I think we've, if people have seen that movie called Ready Player One, or um, you know looked at aspects where you know if you get so immersed into it, like there are some gamers who get so addicted, and and uh, you know it's like any technology. If you if you go overboard, um, you know you it could sort of change you psychologically. I mean, there are obviously impact there on because it has such a deep impact on neuroplasticity, um, you know, and that's why I would also recommend you don't get very small children to spend too much time on VR or AR, for example. Well, AR, I think, is different slightly because we're augmenting more information there. But in VR, because you're in an entirely virtual world, you want to be, uh, you know, sort of... It's like, just, so, you know, just, just so people understand, what's the technical definition of AR versus VR? Like, where does one start and one start? Sure, sure, yeah. So augmented reality is when you've really got, uh, you know, you've got something in the real world and you're augmenting it, you're adding something further. So with my phone, for example, I'm actually pointing it to um, something and I've actually got something some further information being augmented on top of it. Uh, whereas in virtual reality, you're actually in a virtual world and you could add further components of real world into it. So it's the two ends, really. And when they both converge, we have things called mixed reality, which is where HoloLens and Magic Leap and some of these companies are actually providing solutions in. And, and what I've got on the screen right now is actually like a holographic image, which is really a mix of the virtual and augmented sort of world. And that's the next phase in what we talk about in storytelling, where we've kind of done a 360 because we're coming back to that aspect of higher psychological spatial connection, you know, in um, in that sort of level. And uh, it's been quite interesting sort of where these worlds collide. And yeah, it's there are so many examples, but I, I won't go into that right now. I've got many slides I actually could have shown on ARVR, but um so humograms is something which is a augmented reality holographic technology. 
We even had Professor Stephen Hawking at the Sydney Opera House do a talk as a hologram four years ago, um, which was quite interesting. And then it's going to be a, really about a lot more about, uh, you know, more people than, um, you know, technology. So I think it's getting closer to a lot more human-driven solutions in that regard with holographic and mixed reality perspectives because we do need the real world and yet we can augment it with so much intelligence from the virtual world is kind of where I'm saying. So the next section I quickly wanted to talk about is the is mind sensors, which is a space of my deep interest, which is um, something called the brain-computer interface, where we talk about electroencephalography. Uh, the biosensor and the companies called Neuros, like Neurosky and Mindplay have done some phenomenal work in this space. And I've been working closely with them on many applications in this space, in, especially in health and wellness sort of domain. So we've seen a breakthrough happen because the price has driven has dropped down dramatically. And we've seen devices like Neurosky Mindwave Mobile, which I'm holding right here, is come down to sub hundred US dollars, um, democratized from you know tens of thousands of dollars, which it was years back. For so basically, you've you're connecting to your um, you know prefrontal cortex just on your forehead, and you're able to measure. Uh, you know, with EEG brain waves, basically electrical current coming from your brain waves, your attention or focus versus meditation or relaxation. And if you're able to get both of these together, this is actually a snapshot of a visual of live EEG. And it's uh, one of the demos I normally give. And if you're able to get attention and focus and meditation relaxation together, you really get into the zone or what we call the flow state, as people, um, you know, refer to. So there's a lot of correlation there with, um, you know, with neuro of neuroscience with, uh, with technology that we can bring in as a very meaningful application for us uh, in a holistic manner. In fact, Neurosky, we even had a game uh, with Star Wars franchise. So the power of, you know, your mind. Quickly ask you a question. Someone's sure. asked a question about where does this cross the line for personal privacy? Well, as long as you're, um, you know, keeping all the technology and the data within control, it's um, it's up to you really what you want to share um, in general. But of course, there are so many apps out there, and I think the same we've seen with social media. If you're, you know, allowing them to get your information or being able to collate it. It's um, it can there can be breaches, of course, and you know it, it really depends what level of information you want to share and and where you draw the line. So, for example, what I've got here is standalone. You know, I'm not really sharing that on a cloud or something. If I'm collecting data here, I'm just doing it as a local demo or experience right here. Whereas there are uh, you know some devices. I'll just talk about them in the next few slides, like Muse, which I'm, I'm coming to, which are obviously you know uh, mainstream devices and they have apps. And they can be collecting some of the information of yours, of your your, your brain waves, <laughs> in there. So yeah, uh, I think it's um, it, it is an interesting question for sure to ponder on. Mm. Uh, and I think something because obviously there's a lot of um, concern around you know ethics and are we losing our humanity and those kind of questions in the tech world. Mm. And I think one thing that need to be really emphasized which you've just alluded to is it's actually the data that's the issue because it's what happens to the data who buys the data the data is where all the leverage is the data is where the commercial value is and when you start playing that world of big data that's really where all those questions need to be grappled with Um, and I think that particularly people that don't understand a lot about the technology and where it's heading, uh, there's quite some concerns about that. I, I agree. I totally am with you. You know, we've seen so many aspects where you know commercial organisations obviously, um, you know, come over and, and take over that that aspect of it, and we give away too much. You know, at times, and uh, we've really got to be in more control and aware of what we what we share and where we share it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. Um, there are various examples of the brain-computer interface. Uh, you know, here's a quick example of uh, one for sleep, actually, and I've got it right here, which is called Sleep Shepherd, and it helps you. It's got a comprehensive sleep sleep lab, and it helps you as a smart alarm clock uh, to wake you up to your natural body clock. So it measures your with your brain waves, your alpha, beta, delta, gamma waves, 
you know, different aspects of sleep, your awake stage, your REM sleep stage, deep sleep stage and all, for example. And it's got a very detailed lab of understanding there. Uh, you know, sleep is very critical, as we all know, for cognitive function and essential for learning, for creativity and even problem solving. So there's uh, a lot of potential for, uh, you know, measuring sleep and improving it. Another one is very interesting called Life by SmartCap. And, uh, you know, we have over 1.2 million accidents that happen because of human error. And majority of those are because of fatigue and stress. So what this does is actually measures your fatigue levels using your brainwaves again. And it provides a very simple score if you want to take the driver, so be it a truck driver or something, or you want to take off the road for the organization to uh, a fleet, for example. And, uh, you know, you can really save a lot of uh, lives with that and especially other resources. Yeah. Another great Aussie startup in this space called Emotive, which has recently launched a device called Emanate. And I talk about that also in the toolkit. So I can refer to those that to people. And they've done some really interesting work with facial expression and emotion detection and a lot more multi-channel EEG sensors that they have. So the one I mentioned quickly earlier was the Muse. And Muse is a personal meditation assistant, really. It helps you with uh, getting calm and relaxed with your feedback on your mind and body. And uh, it's been, you know, it's got some really interesting apps and to sort of take you through that routine in that space. And they recently launched this, uh, you know, new product, the, the Muse uh, S band, which is more of fabric-based smart band, which you see on the right here. So we're really tapping that state of our, our mind uh, a lot deeper with the, with the various brainwaves. And I was actually involved with setting up a lab, this was about 10 years ago now, called iZone, which was like a thinking lab of the future where we, we were kind of experimenting with how brainwaves and how we could do innovation workshops and do ideation sessions and really build a lot more deeper ability to come up with more breakthrough ideas. So it was very interesting to quantify that sort of aspect and play with some parameters on that area. And there are already tools now, like Neurosky has launched something called Effective Learner. So this is for classrooms, for learning, and for a study trainer. So you can actually monitor students and see how effectively they've been learning. And, uh, you know, here's an example of some of their uh, screenshots and so forth on how they, we can actually look at uh, aspects of when to when they're most effective in, in uh, really getting the right information and processing it. So... Uh, quite powerful sort of areas there. So what I've been talking earlier was more about reading your brain. And now this is a new space, which is called brain stimulation, where you're actually even writing to the brain. There's a lot of research happening in this space. So it's called transcranial brain stimulation. And uh, a startup that I was mentoring at again at a remarkable accelerator called Numbre, which is later called NCAP Neuroscience, uh, by this amazing Peter Simpson Young from Sydney Uni, uh, who's been doing a PhD in this space. And we're looking at how do we tackle people with disability to uh, really, you know, come back, bring, bring their motor skills back, for example. So you're able to inject, you know, a low current through your brain to retap and, and reconnect those neurons. It's uh, really phenomenal what we, can, what we can do there in this space of creating that mind of the future. Um, and to that effect, for over about three years ago now, uh, you know, Elon Musk formulated this company called Neuralink which has been doing some deep research in this space in tapping and looking at improving motor skills and rehab, looking at brain function, and really to, um, you know, what they've done is actually a uh, hundredth the size of the human hair, a thousand fibers on your, uh, basically on your brain, on the, on the surface of your skull, being able to inject and, and uh, bring that together as a means to write and to go much deeper so they've done some phenomenal work, really, in this. And there's, uh, you know, new things going to be launched and announced by Neuralink. So watch that space. And uh, I think really that technology is moving so fast that it's become indistinguishable from magic. Mm. And in fact, there is one product already in this space for writing to your brain, and it's called Halo 2. In fact, I have it right here. I've already been playing with it for a while. I even featured it on our fashion show. So it's actually... Um, helping you with, um, you know, improving your brain performance, optimizing and helping you with pick certain or do certain skills and brings your brain to a hyper learning and, a, you know, sort of a stage for positively influencing your neuroplasticity. So imagine if you were wanting to learn music or you regain an old skill, it helps you actually do it much faster because it's triggering those neurons in your, in your brain to do that. 
Fantastic. Absolutely fascinating. If yeah. you are listening as we're going along right now, Anuraj is going to take some questions. So any questions that you have, please put straight into the Q&A or into the um, feed on the on Facebook Live either way. Um, and do you want to unshare your screen now so we, we can just have... Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Or should I go through some more slides? Because if I... Oh, sorry. I thought you'd finished. I'm just... Oh, no, I haven't finished yet, actually. Sorry. Yeah. Actually, I have probably a fair bit more. I'm just going to jump into my next section then. You've only got a couple yeah. more minutes. So, uh, yeah. one, probably one of the main ones. Highlight slides are and finish off with those for us. Right. Okay. So, um, this one is called Heart Math, actually, which is really about hacking, you, you know, heart intelligence into your consciousness. And uh, it's a very powerful device. In fact, I was with the founders of these folks in Boulder Creek in, in California early this year. And I would highly recommend because it's all about heart coherence and your inner balance that it helps you uh, work with through, you know, heart rate variability. So it helps release stress, find balance and really build resilience. And uh, it's something which I actually, you know, we talk about B2B or B2C. It's something which I say connecting edge to edge or heart to heart. And uh, I think that's what heart math has been really uh, powerful in, in sort of uh, doing that. I'll just skip through the so sort of we, we've seen a lot of things happen in the in the wellness space and similarly in spirituality. Um, but I wanted to go deeper a little bit into spirituality. I know we have lack of time, but it's something which uh, talk about moving from the physical to the intelligence to the emotional to the spiritual quotient and how we sort of can build that much further. Uh, even a conversation I had with uh, Steve Jobs a long time back was on spirituality on his actually trip to India with his friend Kotke in um, April of 1974. And he really followed uh, Buddhism, Zen Buddhism also to quite an extent. And uh, one of his favorite books was this one called The Autobiography of a Yogi by Swami Paramahansa Yogananda. And I think it's really interesting because for me, that journey of technology and spirituality has been probably a very deep one. And I've sort of followed that through in looking at the stage of balance looking at uh, how do we reduce stress, which has really become a slow poison, and uh, going beyond all our five senses with technology. And we came up with a concept called the Zen mobile device. I talk about this in my um, you know, toolkit so people can read a bit more about it. But it's really based around music, on haptics, and how we can enter something. And it's something which I actually ended up presenting to His Holiness Dalai Lama, said it's not about switching off your mobile phone. It's like how we have aircraft mode, flipping it into something called the bliss mode. And that's something which, um, you know, I presented to him 12 years ago now uh, through a vision of my own, what I, what we call the MTP or Massively Transforming Purpose in there. And uh, I've got that on the screen there. I won't read it out uh, because I just thought I'll just finish up quickly. I know because we need to uh, start wrapping up. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's really difficult to find happiness within ourselves but it's impossible to find it anywhere else. And I think that's where I found this really amazing thing which came up recently in WhatsApp, that if you can't go outside, you go inside. <laughs> and I think my colleague uh, already covered a fair bit of, uh, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. on transhumanism, which is really so related to this topic. And I think we're seeing this top scales of the uh, fourth industrial revolution, which are really phenomenal. We've got actually got a means to map even on your brain, various skills like empathy, creativity, using brainwave sensors. So there's a lot of research and work happening in this space. And I think this topic of creative intelligence is where we move from user experience to user engagement, consumer to community and so forth, different sort of aspects from uh, building our own ikigai, which is the purpose of being. And uh, there's a couple of interesting books. Obviously, people would have read The Secret and a, fr a friend of mine is launching this book very soon in next month. Um, in 9th of June, actually, called Serendipity Mindset. And it's moving from the old VUCA. So I just wanted to wrap up soon with this, saying we need to move into that new phase of the new VUCA, which is vision, understanding, clarity, and agility. And it's um, something which I've been working on as a blue zone because I was actually there in, in Nicoya Peninsula in Costa Rica early this year. And I just found it so phenomenal connecting with nature because these blue zones around the world are so inspiring that we can gain so much about going back to nature and really learning because I've had my own journey on looking at sacred sites, looking at um, something I started as a bushwalk, as a walk to exponential thought leaders bushwalk. And uh, a concept that I've been building called White Mirror which is just a holding name. I'm sure, have you seen this Netflix series called Black Mirror? 
No, sorry. I haven't. No. But okay. It's really talking about a great, powerful future, but unfortunately, it's dystopian. And I sort of flipped the model into a much more utopian, positive sort of future. Yeah. And there are many facets to it. So I've actually published something on LinkedIn regarding this. So again, I would send you the link of that. Happy for people to comment on it and, and look at it. And, and it's really co-creating it with everybody. The concept of this very utopian and strong, positive future that we can look forward to. Um, I'll skip through a couple of these slides. I'll just end now with maybe it's some maybe one quick mention of an entity that I was involved with at the World Economic Forum this year that we uh, created called the Wisdom Health, and it's a global community of conscious leadership. And uh, you know I can sort of mention more about that again on the on the website for, for Superhuman. But I'll probably end with this slide saying that the most exciting breakthroughs will not occur because of technology, but because of an expanding concept of what it means to be human. Absolutely. So, yeah, sorry, I had to race through some of that. I probably have more stuff, but I think I'll, I'll uh, get, let's get to some more Q&A. You know, you know what I was thinking when you had to race through the last few slides? I yeah. wish you started at the end, at the yeah. last slide, and gone to the beginning. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm sure there'll be other occasions that in the future. I'm yeah. sure there will. I think next yeah. time we'll, we'll really focus and niche you to be yeah. talking about spirituality and tech. Sure. Specifically, because I think that that's that's a really really juicy topic for people yeah. to get into. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Fantastic. Well, all I can say is a massive thank you to you. That was on fast forward, lots of information and sure. super insightful and yeah. useful. And we do have one question, so we won't be taking any more than just this one question. Sure. Yep. And this one question is: someone's asking, out of all of those different devices. If you just had to get one, mm -hmm. which one would it be? Oh, my God. That's a very hard question. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Such a combination of so many things. And I'm actually working on some new, uh, with some startups. In fact, entity of combining heart rate variability, which say, you know, with the wrist one device or with the ear-based device, with EEG, with brainwaves, and uh, combining it with, say, galvanic skin response to look at your intuition and how we can improve that much further. So what you're but, saying is don't buy any of them, wait until that one's developed. Wait until that one, yeah, but <laughs> for now, I mean, something close to my heart is, I would say, heart math in a balance. Heart math, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm sure people and if got, anyone doesn't know about heart math, it is a really fascinating initiative, project, um, organisation that does quite extensive work across the globe. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of people involved in it, but one of the other authors that we've talked about on earlier conversations, Greg Braden, is yeah. very very much involved with heart math. So it is worth you going to check out some more information if you're into that kind of thing. So any last words of wisdom for us and your age? Well, uh, I think it's just stay positive, experiment, um, you know, just, just keep on. I would say it's, it's such an exciting time to rethink, to take a pause and to move forward with a much stronger quantified self that you can generate from all this, uh, time that we have and uh, and to come up with a much higher level of super consciousness that we can build for everybody. Absolutely. Make this count towards super consciousness. Fantastic. Yes. So if you are around again in another five or ten minutes, starting at one o'clock, we have Michelle Crone and she's going to be talking about humanity and that talk and the rest of this afternoon is going to be facilitated by AJ. So I'm off for the day. So thank you so much for joining us this morning. And, again, a massive thank you to you, Anuraj, for all your time and energy and for you definitely winning the prize about packing the most slides into <laughs> one presentation. <laughs> thank you, Michelle. I appreciate that. Okay. Take care. And feel free to drop all of those links that we talked about inside the Facebook group. That would be awesome. Okay. Thank you. See you. Thank you. Bye-bye.